You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today's episode is called Winning Clients in a Competitive Market. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and give me a rating. A common worry of coaches is how to stand out and win clients in what they describe as a saturated or a competitive market. And so in this episode, I'm going to share a couple of very important tips to help you start winning clients in a competitive market. And these tips come from a very unlikely source of information, cooking shows. (laughs) I was watching a cooking show on the weekend. It's a competitive cooking show, to be clear. And with my marketing hat on, I could see a huge amount of intel on how to win customers in a competitive environment. So I want to break down what I've learned for you so that you can apply these lessons to your own business. Competitive cooking shows are a microcosm and it's really interesting what you can learn. Now, I love a good cooking show. I don't watch a lot of TV, but apart from the football, I do like to watch cooking shows on a Sunday night when I'm doing my weekly meal prep and while making dinner in the evening during the week some nights. So last Sunday night, I was watching a UK competitive cooking show. So the show was about three pairs of British people and they had a stall in a food hall and they had to create a dish each and try and win over as many of 50 customers that would be let into the food hall as possible. The winning couple would be the one that sold the most of their dish, and they were somewhere between six and eight pounds per dish. And they had two days of working with these customers. They had 50 customers on day one and a fresh batch on day two. On the first day, the cooks got to give a small sample to the first 50 customers as they lined up to enter the food hall. And then when the customers were allowed into the food hall, they were able to buy a meal, a full meal, based on the samples they tried from one of those three stalls. So they had a taster first and then they could choose what they would buy. On day two, the same process was repeated with a new audience, but this time instead of just one dish, The cooks got to cook that same dish, but a second dish as well, instead of just the one. So they had an original dish that they'd used on day one, plus something new. And they went through the process of giving samples and then the people lining up to buy two times in a row on day two. So in other words, they'd have a sample, they'd choose their first dish and eat that. Then they'd sit down again, they'd get another set of samples to try for the second dishes, and then they'd go and buy a second dish. So they got two meals on the second day. They're only small meals, but it was interesting. So watching this show, I realized that there was so much to learn from this business microcosm, and that those things that were learned could be applied to any business. I want to share with you four main lessons that created success for the cooking contestants, the cooks themselves, and to talk about a few things that didn't work. The first thing is to work the crowd and promote your sample. The cooks that won the two days by selling the most food were those who were the best at working the crowd and promoting their samples at the start of each day. They got to nearly every one of the 50 customers each day and they conversed warmly and invited them to try their dishes. They were personable and they struck up conversations about the clients and what they wanted. 
So that worked really well and resulted in the most sales. Really simple, work the crowd and promote your sample. It was interesting to see that one pair of cooks were vegans. And as veganism isn't really very mainstream yet, the vegan cooks had had a smaller market share, if you like, of the 50 customers. There were fewer people interested in trying vegan food. Even so, on the second day of the competition, the vegan cooks realised that they hadn't worked the crowd very well on day one, not as well as the people who ended up winning. So they gave extra effort to promoting their samples in day two at the beginning of the segment. And they did something else important on day two, the day where they sold the two dishes in turn. While their customers who bought the vegan dish for the first course were eating those dishes, the vegan cooks went out and spoke to those people who were eating that vegan option and they engaged with them and connected with them and got feedback on the food and why they liked being vegan and how it compared to meat. So this demonstration of warmth and reaching out to learn from the customers went a long way to earning them more customers when they went to sell their second dish immediately after that. So the takeaway, pardon the pun, <laughs> for coaches is that networking and talking to your audience and offering a try-before-you-buy scenario can help you to attract more customers. It breaks down the barriers, it builds relationships, and it also breaks down maybe some of the obstacles for buying. In this case, if you're not a vegan and you're a bit suspicious of non-meat food, then you probably wouldn't go and buy it right away, a full serve. But by having a taste and experiencing it and learning why it was different and really thinking about how it compares and whether you'd eat it again, it's going to improve your chances of buying it. You can only get that as a business owner if you work the crowd and give people samples. The second lesson is to keep it simple and give people what they want. The cooks that won the competition over two days chose popular dishes that were well-known and well-loved. They didn't try to do anything uncommon, rare, off-the-wall or strange. They just kept it simple and went with two well-known Jamaican dishes that were traditional and very well-known and loved. One of them was jerk chicken with rice. More people bought the jerk chicken than the other two dishes on offer by the other two cooks pairs of cooks, simply because the jerk chicken was familiar. People knew what it tasted like and they'd had a positive past experience with them with it. The other stallholders were, one, a pair of cooks selling a more unusual and less known dish, and then the vegan cooks with foods that many customers weren't so familiar with or comfortable with. So what does that mean for you as a coach? Well, the takeaway for you is that you should be promoting your services in words and ways that your clients recognise and are familiar with in their language and not in your coaching speak. For example, a client who wants to lose weight would more likely buy a program that helps young mums to lose weight and manage their energy better, for example, or maybe a program that helps small business owners to organise their lives and feel calmer if that's the type of client you're targeting. Those words might be the exact words that your people would be using and you need to 
interview them to find that out. But if you were to offer a more generic framework that you say helps people to develop healthy habits and improve their health and wellness, it doesn't really engage. Most people won't give it a second look. It's not familiar. They don't have experience with anything like that. They want to buy the results that they want using words that they know and that they use themselves. So that second lesson is to find out what people want and the words they use to describe it and give them what they want, something that's familiar and known. It's going to make it easy for them to buy. Number three is to engage with a heartfelt story. The winning couple in this show were a Jamaican woman and her German boyfriend. When customers lined up for their Jamaican-inspired dishes, the woman would ask customers why they liked Jamaican cooking, and she'd recount tales of growing up in Jamaica, the origins of her family recipes and how she liked to cook. She was really personable and she told personal stories. And people were enamoured with her and her engaging approach and her warmth and storytelling. And they mentioned this as a reason for being drawn to this particular food booth, not just because they had a food that was well known, not just because they'd had a sample and some initial networking. This woman told stories about the origins of food and how she felt about it. Consider that people buy things because they want to feel a certain way. They want to solve a problem and feel better generally. And they buy from people who are warm and inviting, not pushy, not scared, not cold. So the takeaway for coaches is that you can use heartfelt story to engage your audience and attract more people in a competitive environment. Talk about your own journey in emotional language and describe the roller coaster you've been through and the turning point which you needed help and how you created success. Or if you haven't been on a journey yourself, you can speak of your client's success stories or the reason why you're so passionate about this area, what the unjust problem is and how people feel and how you want to make a difference and why that is so meaningful and what's possible when those changes are made. So there are two pieces here really, I suppose. There's one using emotive language and secondly, telling a story that the audience can relate to or buy into. You're speaking to them about something that they know well and are going through themselves. Number four is to share your why. The vegan cooks who had the smaller share of customers had a harder time at securing enough sales in this two-day contest, but an interesting thing happened that got them more customers and sales on the second day. I've already mentioned them and that they learned about how important extra networking was and making the extra effort to work the room and give samples and talk to customers as they ate the first dish on offer. We already know that extra networking was something that they leveraged. But these vegan cooks did something else which really engaged the audience and earned them a few more sales. On the second day of the competition, they started to lead more with their why. They started to talk more about why they became vegans, what it meant to them, what it was like to be on this journey, how they started. And they spoke about the values behind their change, including environmental reasons, ethical reasons and the health benefits of eating vegan food. 
I could see the ears prick up of people in the audience, the customers who shared those values. And perhaps some of those people had been on the fence about trying vegan food, but after hearing those shared values, they thought they would give it a go. The takeaway for coaches is that if you lead with your values in your marketing, you're going to help people find reasons that are bigger than themselves to work with you. Some of those deeper motivators. Like any close relationship, an alignment of values makes you a preferred choice, especially in a competitive market. When all the services seem the same, people are going to choose the people who are most aligned with them and their values. So leading with your values and sharing your why is a really important part of your marketing messaging. Now, I mentioned that there were a few things that didn't work. And based on what I've just shared with you, you can probably figure it out. What didn't work was having something too unusual or unfamiliar, not doing enough networking, not promoting samples so people can try before they buy, and not sharing stories and being emotive. They were all barriers to sale. But there were a few other things that didn't work too. And these things became evident when the 50 customers were lining up to buy their meals from one of the three stalls. The analogy in your coaching business is the stage where customers have done their research and they're ready to buy and they're now weighing up their options and starting to make decisions about what to do and who they want to work with. So in this cooking competition, one thing that clearly didn't work was bad-mouthing other businesses. It was interesting to see one of the chefs from one pair walking up and down the queues of customers claiming to have better food and another walking up and down with their samples again to the people who are already lining up to buy something from someone else and trying to tempt those customers out of that other queue and into their own queue. Neither tactic won them any extra customers, only a few uncomfortable and awkward looks and people saying, oh, no, thank you. I've already made my decision on what I'm going to buy. <laughs> the lesson for you is this talking other businesses down or other coaches down or trying sneaky tactics to lure people away after they're starting to make a decision says more about you than it does about your competitors. That kind of behavior damages trust. And as you know, trust is critical to a good coaching relationship. And if someone were to say, what would you think about that business who had tried to lure you away or said something bad about someone else, you probably wouldn't be that quick to refer people either. So another thing that didn't work was slow service. One pair of chefs lost customers because they took way too long to prepare the food and spent too long talking and their customers were queuing up too long and getting frustrated, waiting 15 minutes to get a dish of food. The lesson for you is this, in your business, make it easy for people to reach you in as few steps as possible and respond quickly. Don't leave people hanging or having to jump through too many hoops. And apply that to every area of your business, whether it's making an inquiry, onboarding a client into a program, responding to an email during a program, all of those things need to be done promptly and in as few steps as possible.
even down to making payments, filling in forms, all of that stuff needs to be super streamlined. People are busy and they appreciate it when you make things easy for them and with a smile. So let's summarize what we've discussed today. There are many business and marketing lessons to be learned in real life. Competitive cooking shows are a business microcosm that have many valuable lessons relevant to small businesses. In this cooking competition that I watched, I got some really good intel on four main things. Number one, work the crowd and promote your sample. Be engaging. Number two, keep it simple. Give people what they want, what they're familiar with, and do that by speaking their language about things that they want. Number three, engage with a heartfelt story. Tell a story of why you're doing what you do or what it means, and they may see themselves in that story. And finally, share your why, the values behind what you're doing and your motivators. Remember that anything sneaky or underhanded or critical won't win you any customers. And if you're too slow or difficult to reach, customers will leave or not even bother trying to reach you. That's my summary for today. And if you like this episode, remember, please subscribe to my podcast and give me a rating. And if you really enjoyed it, share it with someone who might also benefit. Thanks for being here today. I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.